0: And uh, welcome to another episode of No Butts About It. I'm your host, sitting in my dining room in Indiana, Josh Butts. And we have Stan, the Jet fan, with us. Chuss is once again, I believe, at his internship. And uh, Stan has a beautiful Our Lady of Guadalupe uh I don't know if that's a blanket, or I don't know what we call, ended up calling that, but he's in a, my old like fraternity common room, so I recognize that. Uh, beautiful. Good to have you here. Stan, we're going to talk about Thursday Night Football, and I think we did pretty good predicting what was going to happen. I'd say we did all right. Uh, Jaguars won. I believe we both picked the Jaguars to win. Uh, we thought Travis Etienne would show up. Uh, my Boy, Taysom Hill showed up a little bit. What did you think about Thursday night football?
1: I mean, the Saints still look like a mess. The game was way closer than it should have been. Uh, You know, I entered the game thinking the Saints would keep it close from the get-go. But the Saints had, you know, they had two turnovers in the first maybe 10 minutes of the game, right? Mm. Uh, And, like, on offense, they just couldn't do anything with that. They missed a field goal even. Um, And I I just, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at what they did. I'm looking at Derek Carr. um, And I don't see a team that's really going to do anything. So it's, it's a little bit depressing if you're a Saints fan after that game, especially with how close they were able to bring it in the end. But, I mean, the Jaguars in that first half, they did what they had to do. You know, they didn't look great in the second half, but they set the standard that first half, and that carried them through the game.
0: Yeah, something we didn't really expect, but I'm glad that they established it early, was Trevor Lawrence passing and Trevor Lawrence running. We thought he'd be kind of more reserved coming off of that knee injury. And then he, like, first, first couple plays of the game were pass completions. They were beautiful throws. And then he ran for a first down, which he's got long legs. We know he can run. But he kind of came out and said, hey, you're going to need to watch me too. You, this isn't going to be all Travis, which Travis Etienne had a phenomenal game as well. Um, I was at a concert last night. Uh, Cole Swindell, great show. Met Graylin James, another great artist that I like. And, but I was getting ESPN notifications all night about Travis Etienne. Um, he was on my fantasy team, had a great night, loved that. Uh, I think he had two touchdowns, right?
1: Is that? I, th- I mean, he had two touchdowns in the first, uh, yeah, five minutes of the game, and he started out the best you can start out. Yeah, let me pull
0: up his stats here because he – I mean, he was a guy who we, we thought they were just going to be running it all night, control the ball because of Trevor Lawrence's injury. But they were able to balance it out with him still um, having a great night. So Travis hey. Etienne had 53 yards rushing for two t- and two touchdowns, and then he had another uh, three receptions as well for 24 yards.
1: I mean, when you get down to his performance, really wasn't that great. I mean, 35 yards—that's not an insane performance for a running back. Um, but I think the Jaguars, just, because of the way they set themselves up, they were able to take larger risks towards the end of the game in the middle of the game. And you saw that with a lot of uh, very just beautiful looking plays, uh, you know, taking a lot of sideline throws at the wide outs. Um, And it didn't really work out too well for them, but because of this uh, lead, they gave themselves, they were able to take those risks. And I think for the Jaguars, that's a great thing that you were able to take those risks in the season because now Lawrence is going to be more primed for the games where he has to take those risks. The team is going to be more ready. That O line looked really good against the saints and the saints, their defense, not the best defense, you know, a lot of older guys, guys who can't really keep up now. But their, their defensive line is, as with most defensive lines in the league, it will still get after the quarterback. And their O-line, the Jaguars' O-line, did a great job of holding up against that D-line. I think, I think for, uh, for the Jaguars, that's probably the main takeaway. Because if your running back is able to get to the end zone twice, if your quarterback is able to get it once, why is that? It's because your O-line held up. Um, even with uh, Lawrence having to run, I don't think any of those situations were due to the O-line, you know, not giving him enough time. For the most part, it was just he saw the opening. I mean, the linebackers on the Saints were not in great position, and they looked a little slow out there. They looked a little confused and disoriented, um, and I think those, those early punches by the offense really drilled them down. Uh, another factor there is the, the Saints fans for a home game were not doing a great job of supporting their team. They were booing them pretty much the entire game. You know, I'd say if you want to boo them, wait till the fourth quarter. You know, <laughs> if you're down by two, three touchdowns, sure, go go at it. Have your fun. But they were booing their team from, from the beginning of the game. And it just – I think it was not a great night for Saints fans, players, anyone. It was just too many bad things going on. I will say their offense looked much more open than it did in uh, previous weeks. And they had one drive, which was three plays uh, – three insane plays. Got across the field, scored a touchdown – besides that though I didn't see too much that I liked there
0: yeah I mean you mentioned that you didn't you, the New Orleans defense hasn't been great but I thought they played really well last night
1: in the second half they did in the second half you know uh, you saw a completely different unit but in the first half for those touchdowns they, they just did not do their job I mean they, they you might as well replace them with with their backups because they would have been the, the same score. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was a very poor defense in the first half. I, I think towards the second uh, to the end of the about uh, the first half, that second quarter, you saw them wake up a little bit and they made some, some bigger plays. But outside of those, uh, the turnovers, one of which was a special team turnover, that first half was not a pretty one for them. And even even on the drives where the Jaguars weren't able to score, they were still getting a good 30, 40, 50 yards f- downfield at a time. Uh, they didn't really have any big stops where they were stopping them. You know, they didn't have uh, any, any big three now to that point in the game, right? Those are the plays. Those are the drives that change to give your offense that chance. And for them, it's not really their fault because the Jaguars were out there a lot. And they were running really crazy routes, you know, keeping those defensive backs on their back feet. Um, and defensive backs are another strong point for that Saints defense, but they just were not able to keep up. Um, and I think I think it's mainly just because of you know one you don't have the support from your offense they're not scoring, um, and, and when you ha- when you're able to bring two uh, turnovers as a defensive and special teams unit and then your team does what one field goal with that in the first four drives, it doesn't make you feel too great.
0: Well, not only that, the special teams turnover that was on like the fifteen yard line, the off- or ten yard line maybe even the offense had to go. They, you could do that in one pass. You could get a touchdown there. And they did nothing with it. It ended up. It turned into yeah. a field goal. It was a muffed punt. And as a defensive unit, as a special teams unit, I'd be like, guys, we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, or at least we're playing well enough to not lose this game. Um, we also didn't see much from Calvin Ridley, so they had him pretty pretty well locked up. He's a guy who uh, Trevor Lawrence has loved to throw the ball to recently, so we thought we'd see – a little bit from him if there was going to be any passing game, but it seemed like they had to go more to Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, uh, that rushing game like we talked about more. Uh, Did you see anything where Calvin Ridley was getting covered well? Was there – what did you –
1: I didn't really notice too much there. I did notice Lawrence was getting the ball to a lot of different receivers. It didn't seem like he had – even with Kirk, and Kirk had probably the best stats on that team, it didn't seem like he was just going to Kirk. You know, he was, he was going to the open man. He was going to the read and th- there were quite a few breakdowns for that, uh, that defensive back unit on the saints where someone was not covered. Um, I noticed they also played the defensive backs really high on, uh, on the wideouts. outs. Um, and uh, usually that was a safety they'd have at the end. What ended up happening was Lawrence make a lot of just simple check down passes. And if you throw the ball uh, below that receiver, he's able to catch it. And because the defensive backs playing so high, It's an easy play. Mm -hmm. Those were a lot of Lawrence's plays. They were coming out super fast. I think there's a stat that most of his passes were coming out at less than two seconds. But there were very, very fast passes that was mainly due to defensive – things that the defensive unit should have made adjustments for. So they should have made adjustments to actually say, okay, well, Lawrence keeps on throwing it low to receivers on the sidelines. Maybe we play our defensive backs a little bit lower. Maybe we go more into man coverage Mm and less into zone. But they didn't make those adjustments in the first half. I mean, I think that could be a reason why in the second half, they really uh, became, looked like a different unit. Because I think uh, my assumption is, uh, you know, at halftime, they went into that room, they talked about what had to be done, and they made the necessary changes. Because when they came out in the second half, they were they were not letting those checkdown passes go down so easy. And it, it was almost always the same types of passes on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, the thing with zone coverage is, it gives the quarterback some more – you're giving the quarterback more freedom as a defense because they've got to find those little pockets where there isn't coverage, but they can. They don't have a guy right on top of them necessarily. Their uh, route runners don't. So
1: – what? Sorry. Now, I was just going to say another thing is they were also – they were playing almost exclusively zone coverage. And, you know, I think they should have mixed it up. You know, kept Lawrence on his feet – And not made it so easy for Lawrence and his receivers. Um, And even when that Saints D-line was getting after Lawrence, especially in that second half, uh, I don't think Lawrence would have missed those check-down passes. No matter how good your D-line is, those check-down passes are built to work within two, three seconds, right? Three seconds max. That's a long check-down. So in those two seconds, if your D-line, they're not going to get after Lawrence. They're not going to get after the quarterback. So what you have to do is use a D-line to add pressure to that quarterback and have your defensive backs cover them by getting the men downfield, making sure they're not open.
0: How did you like how they used Taysom Hill on the Saints offense?
1: I think it was definitely an improvement based on their usage in the past, but it almost seemed to me like, the coaching staff of the Saints was scared to use him. And this is something we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, you know, one of, on Taysom Hill's touchdown, I think they let Kamara run it three times, and it just wasn't working, mm-hmm. right? Kamara was not looking great in those types of situations. And then they finally gave it a Hill, and he breezed in there. It was the easiest touchdown of the night for them. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he was also used very heavily um, in regards to the passing game, and I think that's probably where uh, his strengths came through. Um, but they should, they should have used more plays where they are keeping the defense guessing, you know, let Hill throw at least a simple, you know, those check down passes, let him throw one of those, mm-hmm. uh, let him throw a screen pass, make sure that the defense doesn't, uh, you know, predict every single play when Hill is lined up at quarterback.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he lined up at quarterback and it was a snap to the quarterback and he just right ran, ran with it. And I believe he, he got a first down on it.
1: Yeah. He did a great job when that happened, but. I, I think for, for the Saints, when you have someone like that, that Swiss Army knife, you have to use him a little more. Or, and you have to know how to use him too. Um, I think it would have been really cool to see Hill come out uh, and, and maybe get the ball from Carr in the backfield and then mm-hmm. throw it. right, Or even uh, you know throwing a flea flicker of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, have Hill throw it back to, between Carr. Um, but you just didn't see that. And I think that was a big weakness because now the defense isn't guessing. They're not, they're not committing, oh, we see Hill, he's going to run. No, never mind. He's passing. They're not making those decisions. They just know he's, he's going to run.
0: Right. He, I mean, this was the game we've seen the most usage from him though. He had, uh, so last week against the Texans, he did have eight targets, but he only had one rushing attempt. Uh, this week he had five rushing attempts and he had five targets. So a bit more balanced game. Uh, we only saw him really them try to get the ball to him. Uh, what is that nine times I'd like to see that up a little bit more I'd like to see like you said more in the passing game because there was a point in New Orleans where they're like maybe we can use him as our starting quarterback and now they're just they've just moved away from that completely I mean you've got him on the team Um, I'd like to see him used a bit more he he tricks offenses he or he tricks defenses and we saw when you use him he can be successful lot last night and he was one of the more successful players relative to his usage on that offense we also yeah. we also though have to talk about we me and you talked about it a little bit before we hit the record button but Foster Morrow that final play of the game um, he had the game-winning touchdown would have had it but it hit his fingertips and just dropped away uh, what did what did you think about that play? How, did you like it? Hate it?
1: I mean, that's that's an embarrassing mistake to make. And I, I mean, Morrow's a good player. Uh, very clearly, he's a great leader on that team. Uh, and I think this season, especially, he's probably one of the few leaders who are really outspoken on that team. Um, it, it's a t- it's a tough mistake to make. Um, he should not have made that. And I think the blame does go to him. I don't think you could blame Carr for that. Mm. Carr's place. I think it was probably Carr's best placement. Probably on a pass that entire night. I think his placement was a little bit erratic on, on other passes, and uh, you know, for Moreau, you know, you're wide open in the touchdown zone, in a home stadium. It's it's not a great look.
0: Yeah, I mean that that was a heartbreaker. That and I I thought before I've rewatched it now. I had thought that it was more outside, but I rewatched the play right before we hit recording. It was right where it needed to be on the route, and he obviously knows that. And Foster Morrow has had a rough year. I mean, he he battled cancer in the offseason, um, beat it, came back to play. That's, I mean, that's insane already. And then just to have that happen. What I did like, though, is I loved that Jawan Johnson, another tight end on the Saints, and then Alvin Kamara, the Saints running back, they came over to him on the bench and they were talking to him and they're like, Hey, it happens. It That's just the way it goes. Sometimes I don't know what exactly they're saying to him, but they could have easily been like, what the hell, man, you caused us to lose the game. Like, and I don't think anyone would have blamed them for getting angry, but I think that they handled it really well as a team.
1: No, I mean, that's true. That's what you want to see. And I think, for, for him specifically, he's a person who the, who the rest of the locker room really respects because he is that outspoken leader on the team. So, you know, it's good that they were able to comfort him there, but it's still, I mean, you, you want to see more from a, from a guy like that in your locker room. I, and I'll say another thing, you know, thinking about that, they have three starting level tight ends on that team, and there just wasn't a whole lot of utilization of them. Um, and you saw passes go to Morrow, You saw passes go to Hill. Um, but it wasn't in a way that uh, you know, Carr was putting the ball there consistently. And Carr does love throwing the ball down the middle. So I think maybe for that uh, offensive coordinator, you know, take a look at, at, at your tools you have and see how you can get them involved more in the center of the field where, where Carr likes to place his balls.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that, that's another spot where you could put Taysom Hill. Just have him as like a check down. I mean, the Jaguars, like you said, use check downs all night. Do that more with the Saint, Saints offense. Let Michael Thomas go those sideline catches. Let those more agile guys do that. And that yeah. adds a whole other layer to your offense.
1: Maybe throw in some triple tight end plays. You know? make, make that defense assume you're, you're going for that run play. Stand in the backfield. Let Kamara fake them out and then throw it for an easy pass to one of your three insanely good uh, tight ends. And I know last night didn't look insanely good for it, for Moreau, but he's a great, great tight end. You have to utilize him more.
0: And even Jawan Johnson, who I believe was injured last night, but when he's in, Jameis Winston last year basically used him as a wide receiver. So, I mean, we know he's capable of that game. So, uh, overall, I think the Saints defense did enough to win. They didn't obvi- obviously win, but they did enough, and the Saints' offense is what really needs the work there. Yeah. But next thing we're going to talk about is your team, the New York Jets, made a trade. They made a wide receiver trade. Well, they sent away a wide receiver. McCole Hardman, right after we finished filming the last episode, was traded back to the Jets – uh, with a 2025 7th round pick in exchange for a 2025 6th round pick per sources, per Adam Schefter. Uh, so, back to the Chiefs. Back to the Chiefs. I thought I saw the Chiefs. Maybe I didn't. Okay. Yeah, he's back to the Chiefs. Um. So, what did you think about that trade? Do you hate it? Do you think McCall Hardman should have stayed as a New York Jet?
1: You know, I wish he could have. And I, I do understand the decision, though. I think what a lot of people who aren't Jets fans and haven't watched this team may not realize is Harden was not brought in to replace, uh, you know, Elijah Moore. He wasn't brought in to replace Corey Davis. He was brought in to replace Braxton Berrios. And uh, you know, what was Braxton doing for us? Why did he make, uh, you know, the, the All NFL team? Is uh, it was because he was a good returner? i oh, sorry, not All Pro Bowls. I meant, mm-hmm. but because he was a very good returner. Harden was brought in to be a returner. Um, then Xavier Gibson comes out of nowhere. You know, got got that game-winning touchdown week one. Has had quite a few really good returns uh, since then. Uh, Even in the preseason, you know, really stepped up and had some great, great returns. So when you're looking at at having two guys playing that same role, well, Hardman costs you $5 million, right? Uh, Gibson's on an undrafted free agent rookie contract. I don't think it's a very hard decision so I, I I think it makes sense to let him go back to the Chiefs and the Chiefs need help in the, in those types of positions they need one they need they need a well, wide receiver help so I think Hardman's gonna have a much bigger role with them but they also could use you know i I got to return those pumps again so um, I think I think it's a decision that had to happen even though I may not like it as much I mean Hardman loved being on the Jets uh, I don't know how much you saw about this but he had a like a few hundred thousand dollar Uh, diamond jet plane uh, necklace made that you open the hatch and you saw a picture of him there so he he clearly loved playing on the Jets but you know unfortunately it's you you can't keep two players in that type of position uh, on one team
0: but I mean he was already on the Kansas City Chiefs once so he's going to be able to go back and he'll know most of that offense I think or at least conceptually Uh, with Andy Reid as the coach. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes will love having another guy who he's familiar with and already has that rapport with, um, especially with the wide receiver struggles that we've seen. And McCall Hardman is uh, another player who's – he's dynamic. They used him in a lot of ways in Kansas City. They used him as just your stereotypical receiver, but you'd also see him on a lot of jet sweeps. You'd see him sometimes in rushes, just running the ball, I mean, um, they kind of just did whatever they wanted with him, and that's the type of offense Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes like to run, is just kind of like, what can we get away with? And then they push the envelope as far as they can, and then once they mess up, they're like, okay, let's go back to the basics and we'll we'll recover, and then we'll start pushing the envelope again. So I think getting McColl Hardman back in Kansas City is definitely something that... Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes will both be very happy to have. Uh, do you think a sixth round pick for him is fair?
1: Um, I, I think that's about, you know, uh, a trade swap, a uh, pick swap, what do you see from most wide receiver trades? I think it's about market value. Um, I will say we, we could, I think it's a good tr- uh, pick swap for us because we haven't really been able to use our seventh round and sixth round picks recently. Um, so having a little bit higher cap in the draft, I like it. I think it's a fine decision. Um, I think I'm only just a little sad to see Hardman go. You know, I wish we were able to use it more. I think it was just a, a simple issue of having too many guys doing the same thing on one team. And, you know, at some point, you have to make cuts. You have to trade guys away and make sure uh, you have only what you need uh, on that uh, game day roster. And I think the one good thing of this is I think we can see a few other guys get more chances on the game day roster. Uh, so I'm really excited. I think we have a lot of like uh, good tight ends uh, on our practice squad. Um, and, and I think Zach Koontz is one I really want to see him play. I don't think he will because I, I think he might need more time to practice with that squad. But uh, there's plenty of other players on that practice squad I'd like to see getting involved. So uh, I'm curious to see who's going to take Hardman's spot, who's going to be there uh, you know, coming onto the team and uh, who's going to end up not only coming onto the team but uh, making the game day roster. So I'm very excited to see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. you guys signed, like, a bajillion wide receivers in the offseason. Like, every wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with became a New York Jet, it felt like. I mean, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, was Scantling there for a minute? Was, I
1: don't believe okay. so.
0: Okay, I, I just feel like you guys signed a ton of former Packers. Like, in the final... The funny thing was Aaron Rodgers before was like, I don't have any receivers. And then he went to New York and brought all of his receivers with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the main thing was just replacing Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrius, who not only was the punt returner, he was, he was, in, he was lining up with that offense quite often, right? Mm-hmm. He was running a lot of routes with us, right? So there's two big parts of your offense you're losing. Um And then, you know, I think I, I, my assumption is maybe they knew Corey Davis was going to look to retire. Maybe they knew that he wanted to leave and just didn't want to play another season. So now now you know you have two, maybe three guys who are leaving. Um, I think with Lazard and Cobb, you want to make any of those transitions as easy as possible for any quarterback. And I think the difference is, uh, it, the difference was Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis when he first came here. It's like you have those two guys as well. So it's it's coming into this team. Um, I, I think when I look at Hardman, um, again, I, I wish it could have worked out, but I just think he just didn't have, uh, the right skills, at the right time for this team. Okay,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, it just felt like you, you all were signing anyone who would show up in New York and then you signed undrafted free agents who were doing well. I mean, Xavier Gibson, he, he was a hard knock star. I don't know if you watched that, but I know. I've seen the clips. Okay. Yeah. People loved him when they were watching the New York jets on hard knocks and Aaron Rodgers was getting hyped up. And obviously we know how that went, but um, I think, I think Xavier Gibson definitely earned his role on the team from what I've seen. And
1: yeah, my, my hopeful prediction is that we're going to see an additional running back making the game day roster. Um, you know, we, we have four great running backs, in my opinion. We haven't really seen Bam Knight. Let's see Bam Knight back in there, you know. You have him on the team. He's, he, we know he's able to perform well. Um, I believe Israel Bonaconda is healthy, and he's another running back. We just drafted him from U-Pitt. Trust Pitt. Uh, would definitely love to see him. Uh, but let's see, let's see those guys make the game day roster a little bit more now. Uh, and I, I, my assumption is that this decision was made in order to give those guys more of a chance, in order to let the offense – Rather than having two guys doing the same thing, get get another type of guy on that offense. Get another type of player in that room.
0: I I actually believe Bam Knight is now on the Detroit Lions.
1: I'm sorry, I'm 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 confused right now.
0: I believe uh, Zon Zonovan Bam Knight is a Detroit Lions running back now. So um, probably won't see him as a New York Jet anytime soon. But you still. I'm sorry,
1: have... but I'm... I'm thinking of Michael Carter. Okay, he hasn't Michael been, Carter been too, much, too often. Okay, yeah, that's we what Ma- I was going to say. He, you yeah, have Michael, Michael...
0: Carter. Wow, we're talking. About... You have Michael Carter. You got Brees Hall. Do um, you have a third running back there that I'm not
1: thinking? Well, of. we have we have Dalvin Cook, and I want to see that's Israel Bennett right. So, Carter and uh, Carter is good in the passing game as well. He can line up. You've seen him do that uh, quite a few times this season, and especially because Randall Cobb hasn't really been living up to where he should be on this team. Um, I really like the idea of having either a Israel Bonaconda um, take more of those snaps in the backfield and perhaps uh, take some snaps in the passing game. Or Carter, who we know can do well in the passing game, let him go out there a little more. Uh, But I think we have so many good players on this team who I'd love to see more from.
0: So since we're talking about the running backs now a little bit and Dalvin Cook and the trade lines coming up, I've heard rumors that Dalvin Cook might be someone he hasn't really been used like the I guess media expected him to be in New York um, now especially now that Brees Hall is healthy would you like to see them trade Dalvin Cook now do you think the Jets should keep Dalvin Cook what what do you think about the whole Dalvin Cook situation
1: um I'm gonna be honest I don't have an opinion on this it's one of the few things I'm not very opinionated on uh and then I'll, I'll say I'll say this one he's been improving his stats been getting getting better week by week and his last two three weeks have looked much better than the previous three and the offense overall has looked much better these last three weeks than the first three of the season so i think that could be something to keep in mind here Uh, but at the same time cook has been the best running back top five running back in the league the last three seasons so what happens here on the jets um i don't think it's just that he doesn't know how to read holes and read the offensive line anymore that's clearly not it i don't think he's decrease in terms of his talent at this point so i'm just i'm a little confused as to why this change has happened um hopefully the coaching staff can figure it out if he's able to stay on the team definitely keep him you know you want as many uh dogs on that team as possible you want as many guys who are going to push those defenses game in game out um and again i will say cook has had a way better place the last two three games than the previous three so i i really don't know what to say
0: okay yeah, I, I mean, I've seen I've seen very radical opinions on both sides. I've seen, like, Robert Saul is a moron and needs to get the ball to Dalvin Cook more often and force whoever the offensive coordinator is, Nathaniel Hackett, to do that more often. And I've also seen stuff that's like the Dalvin Cook fall-off needs to be studied so that we can prevent this in future running backs because this is terrible and it's all his fault.
1: I'll say most Jets fans, we want to see more of Michael Carter, and we want to see more of uh, Brees Hall. I mean, you have two great running backs there, Um, and and Michael Carter especially. He he works really well as as kind of a a small, little, little uh, compact power back, and he's very talented at that. Brees Hall is definitely better at reading the field a little bit, Um, but you know, you have two guys there who I like to see more of. I think. You should have three running backs in, in a decent rotation. You know, have two guys in the backfield for some plays. Using them on passing plays. Brees, uh, Brees Hall is not the best with his hands. I think Cook is actually a little bit better with his hands. Um, he looks a little more sure when he catches the ball. So maybe use Cook and Carter more for passes and uh, let Brees Hall take more of the running load. Uh, wh- whatever you have to do if you're if you're keeping him, uh, I think. I think the main issue I have with keeping Cook is I feel almost as if Salah feels as if he's forced to use him because I don't think Cook is the second-best running back on this team. I I think that is clearly Michael Carter. Um, But I think because you have Dalvin Cook, Salah feels a need to keep on giving him the ball. Um, When, In in my opinion, I've said this even with the Aaron rodgers Zach Wilson thing we we, we talked about this summer. I want the best player to play, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're paying Dalvin Cook uh, however, four times more, whatever it might be, right? I want the best player to play every single snap uh, when they're needed. And then let let Dalvin Cook maybe come on and Michael Carden, Brees Hall might need a break and let him run. Uh, but whatever it is, I just want the best men on the field. And I don't think Dalvin Cook should be a running back too. Um, that being said, he has gotten a little better. Maybe the uh, coaching staff, if they can see something in him, if they can see something waking up in him, maybe you let that work out and you, and you let him, play better uh these upcoming weeks and and i will say that the next few weeks uh you know next game is against the giants um the giants are not a great team uh to my understanding i think after the giants game we have something like 24 hours until the end of the trade deadline Uh, am i correct there
0: uh the trade deadline is october 3rd or october 31st excuse me so do you play the giants on monday night football or
1: when do you uh, I believe we have a couple of days. We have forty. Uh, we have yeah, we have forty-eight hours. But still, you know, after that game, you still have another two days to make that trade work out. Maybe you make some calls ahead of time, find some interest, and depending on his performance, you, you decide whether to pull the trigger or not. Um, because that Giants team, if he cannot make it work against the Giants, he may not be able to make it work on the Jets at all. So uh, I think that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, the trade deadline, just for the listeners, is October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's the cutoff. And there's there's a lot of players we could see. Um, Jerry Judy, I think, is one. Patrick Sertain might be one. Uh, I've even seen rumors that the Broncos might be open to trading uh, Russell Wilson before that guaranteed hit next year comes in. Uh, they've been saying, hey, anyone who's older might be – Gone. They've already traded Randy Gregory. So, um, And not that Jerry Judy or Pat Sertain are old. But maybe they're just saying, hey, if you're not a rookie this year and you've been in any one system other than Sean Payton's, get out. Or we're willing to get rid of you. So we might see some big names coming from the Broncos getting traded. Another guy who we'll talk about this a little bit more later, is uh, Devontae Adams in the AFC West with the Raiders. He's been a little upset with his usage, so might see him traded. So next week's going to be fun, I think. I think we're going to see uh, – or not next week, but well, maybe even next week. But that weekend is definitely going to have a lot, I think. So I lo- I love the trade deadline. It's like for a little mini free agency. You never know where anyone's going to go. So – uh, that's exciting. Let's get into Week 7, though. We've already had the Jaguars-Saints 31-24 to yesterday. But uh, we've got a few divisional matchups here and a few other games that could help teams figure out where they're going to land in the division. So, first off, we have a divisional matchup. The Falcons against the Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers have been a surprising team to me. Uh, we got Baker Mayfield as quarterback. I don't think anyone really expected them to do – well, at all, and they still have a winning record at three and two. Atlanta Falcons are three and three. Desmond Ritter's streak of winning every home game did come to an end last week, though he hadn't lost a home game, I think, since high school. So that's an insane record. He did won like thirty-one home games in a row, including college and pros. So uh, that that isn't something they have to worry about anymore. Granted, they are in Tampa Bay this week. Um, who do you think? What do you have for this game first? I'll let you go.
1: First of all, I said Baker Mayfield would be would be more than fine on the Bucs. I <laughs> thought he was a great pickup. So, uh, you know, we had this conversation. I feel a little, mm-hmm. a little offended that you're forgetting about this. Uh, but I do think the Buccaneers are going to pull through. One thing is they have all of these still great stalwart offensive players from the Tom Brady era. They still have a, an above-average offensive line. And Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback, just, you know, not – Maybe he's not a star, but he's a good quarterback. So I, I think the Bucks are going to pull through.
0: Okay. Yeah, I could de- – I mean, here's the thing. If the Falcons use Kyle Pitts, how they've been using Kyle Pitts every week other than last week, I think they'll lose. If they continue to use Kyle Pitts in a way that we have expected Kyle Pitts to be used, um, like they did with the Texans and Kind of last week. I'd really like to see him how they used him against the Texans where he had seven receptions for 87 yards. But last week he had a touchdown. He was a red zone threat. I'd like to see that. I want to see Kyle Pitts get more involved. We've seen an increase in Drake London getting more involved. They're starting to finally use those first rounders. You've got Bijan. I think the Falcons have the weapons. Uh, the main big question mark on the Falcons offense, though, is Desmond Ritter. Can he be the starter? Can he be someone who wins games? Um, I think right now, a lot of people are honestly saying no. So, let's let's prove the haters wrong, Desmond. University of Cincinnati quarterback down in Atlanta. Jesse Bates is down there on the defense. They have a phenomenal defense. I, I love their defense. Maybe I just love a lot of players on their defense, and so that's why I think their defense is so good, especially Jesse Bates, but... Uh, I, I think AJ Terrell, uh, Calais Campbell. I think a lot of those guys are really fun to watch. And so I like the Falcons defense, but I do, I do agree. Um, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably have a little bit of an edge in this game with Baker at quarterback. Cause I think they have similar weapons, but Baker, Baker has been the better quarterback this year so far. So,
1: and I will say, there's another question, Mark uh for that offense and that's the other team's defense i mean the buccaneers have a great defense uh they Mm. still have again all of these great uh grizzled veteran players as well as as a good amount of young talent on that team um they could really keep desmond ritter even if he's feeling more comfortable they could keep him running for his money and i think i think if it's a close game i think that veteran effect that the buccaneers have those uh players who know uh you know they're they're good with game time management they're good at knowing when to do certain things, when to go out of bounds, when to land inbounds, things like that. I think those players are going to pull through for the Buccaneers. And I think it will be a fun game, though. So if anyone – if you're if you're debating between that and another game, that would be one of the better, closer games this week.
0: And division matchups are always a shocker. Like, you never – I mean, those two teams know each other. So uh, let's, let's move on, though. Raiders-Bears. Tyson Badgett is starting this week for the Chicago Bears after Justin Fields is out. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is also out, though. Brian Hoyer is starting for the Raiders. So we've got two backup quarterbacks going. Uh, This game, the, the only, I think, story with this game is can Josh McDaniels not lose to the Bears? If Josh McDaniels loses to the Bears, then I think he's done after this season, especially in a situation where they don't have their starting quarterback. Not only that, though, Devontae Adams, who the Raiders brought in to play with Derek Carr, and then they immediately the next season got rid of Derek Carr, he's he's getting mad because he's not being used. These last two games, he's seen, like, no target shares, no receptions, no It's like, where is Devontae Adams on the Raiders offense? Where is this guy who's a top five wide receiver in the NFL? And it seems like they just forgot who he is, that he's on the team. They've been throwing to Jacoby Myers the entire time. Which okay, you can argue Josh McDaniels has been with Jacoby Meyer. They have better that is no, throw it to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a better receiver. Jacoby Myers is very talented, but Devontae Adams is a top five receiver in the NFL. And I think if he does not get involved in this game against that Bears defense, which has been atrocious, he's he's gonna get he's gonna be gone. He's gonna wanna be gone.
1: You know, I, I have no stats or evidence to back this up, <laughs> but Here's what I'll say. When I see backup quarterbacks, I, I feel like almost uh, maybe because they, they have less biases on the team, they tend to get the ball out a little bit better. They tend to pass it around to different players. Uh, and I think that's that's one thing I've seen, especially the last few weeks. Um, I've seen a few backup quarterbacks pass it better. Like on the Giants, for example, Tyrod Taylor, getting the ball a bit better dispersed than Daniel Jones. So I think Adams will probably get a good amount of involvement. And, uh, you know, Adams is a player where he can get open. He can get open. Brian Hoyer, he's going to find. Those open spots for him. Um, I think also the Raiders, they, they do have a lot of good players on the team. I think a lot of their issues can be uh, you know taken into coaching and management. So I, I do think they're going to pull through here.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, they, Josh McDaniels, I have so many questions about what he's done. But the last two games, Devontae Adams has had four receptions or six receptions, four against the Packers, two against the Patriots. The Patriots are terrible. How do you only have two recep how do you only get the ball to him twice against the Patriots? Um, the other thing, Tyson Badgett, the quarterback, you're not gonna have to worry about putting up points. Tyson Badgett is an, I believe, an undrafted free agent. And Chuss had no idea which Chuss knows like every college quarterback ever. So when his boy Nathan Peterman was originally cut from the Bears, he was like, Oh, who did they cut him for? Tyson Badgett's a Division II quarterback. So, like, it's not even like we've got some, like, D1 quarterback who has been in this situation before coming in to play. Maybe he is better than Nathan Peterman. Last week didn't show that. But this isn't a game where you're going to be like, oh, shoot, okay, we have to game plan for this because this guy's going to be really good. We're gonna They're going to put up a ton of points. This is a game where you can kind of figure out like what is going wrong, we can reset and still win the game. I think if you're the Raiders, you can kind of experiment a little. I think so. So, I want to see more Devontae Adams this week. If not and if they somehow lose this game, fire Josh McDaniels. Sorry, bud. Next game, Browns at the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts. And uh this is uh this is an interesting matchup because the Browns offense is terrible, but as you'll see on our YouTube channel, and I'll put a link up here or over there somewhere uh, to the video, the Browns' defense has been phenomenal. They shut down the 49ers last week. Um, Gardner Minshew is starting for the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson is out for the season. But Jonathan Taylor is back in that offense, and Zach Moss has also been playing well in that backfield. So they've got two Pretty good running backs in the backfield. Gardner Minshew is arguably the best backup in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think that this could be a fun matchup to watch. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it will be a fun matchup. But I think one thing with the Browns is it's a lot easier to shut down a passing offense than a running offense. Uh, Because especially with Gardner Mentor out there. He's a guy who he's able to be versatile. He's able to to keep them guessing. But when you have those running plays with guys like JT and Zach Moss, they're just gonna mow you over. You know, I I don't think it's gonna be uh, a very tough uh, job for the Colts to get through this. You know, I think we're gonna see a lot of running game. Um, and I think you will see a lot of checkdowns. Garner Minshew is, is a premium backup. He's one of the better backups in the league. And, uh, there's been a lot of debate over whether he should be a starter. So, you know, that's the type of guy you're talking about coming in uh, as your backup quarterback. I think they're going to be all right. And, you know, the Browns, yeah, their offenses look terrible and defense look great, but I think they're going to have a much harder time when they don't, you know, I got, you know, to play, to play the 49ers advocate, um they did lose two of their best players in that game, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a tough situation. You have two backups taking a bigger role and then guys who weren't expecting to play taking some snaps to back up those guys. So it's, it's a lot of changes in the middle of a game you're having. Um, even just mentally, you know, to see your guys go down, who the rest of players on that team, they're probably thinking, Oh, that, those are our best two guys who are going down. What, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. So wh- whatever it might be, um, you know, you're losing your and two versatile players too. I think, the Colts might just be more versatile than the version of the 49ers the Browns beat last week, so I think the Colts are going to win this. Um, and I, th- I, th- I think I uh, think a lot of this going to come down to whether the Browns run defense can can stop Moss and uh, Jonathan Taylor, which quite frankly I don't think they will.
0: Uh, I think another thing that needs to be watched for this game is Deshaun Watson's status. He's still up in the air, which I don't think he's. I think he's way overhyped. But um, PJ, if PJ Walker starts again. His turnovers against the 49ers were atrocious. And if the Colts can capitalize on the turnovers, then the Colts are going to win this game handedly. Because I think he had three interceptions against the 49ers, which the 49ers defense is another one that's just elite. They're in a whole another range of defenses in the NFL. But the Colts defense is also pretty good. They've got like Shaq Leonard. They got some pretty decent players. So I think if the Colts can get some turnovers and capitalize on those, then they should win this game pretty well. And both of these teams uh, are kind of in the middle of their divisions. The Browns are tied with the Steelers 3-2, and and the uh, Colts are tied with the Texans at 3-3. So this could definitely be a game that maybe has some playoff implications in the AFC for those wildcard spots. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Next game. Washington Commanders at your New York Giants. And they're your your New York Giants. They're not mine, New York Giants. I'll claim the Colts. I'm not claiming the Giants. (laughs) So, uh, we've talked about this. I believe, I don't actually know if this has been announced yet, so I'll double-check here. Is Daniel Jones playing? Because...
1: Well, while you find that... uh, let me go with my prediction. I think it's going to be an easy one for the commanders. Uh, I think the biggest commanders mess up was losing to the bears, which, you know, still boggles my noggin, but uh, (laughs) I don't think, I don't think we're going to see that type of game to, uh, you know, this week. And I I think the commanders are going to win. I don't think it's going to be very close either. I I, I think it's going to be quite a big win for the commanders. Um, And the commanders offense has quite a few tools, right? Um, Maybe they don't have the best quarterback, but, you know, you still, you still have decent running backs. You have good wide receivers. You have a good tight end in Logan Thomas. I think they're going to make it work.
0: Yeah, Daniel Jones' status is still up in the air, so we could see Tyrod Taylor again. But if you are a Giants fan, a little bit of good news is that Saquon Barkley says that he doesn't want to be traded, so... He's not pushing for that before the trade deadline. Maybe he'll be gone in the offseason, but you'll have him for a little bit longer. And we also saw him kind of get going in the second half last week against the Buffalo Bills. So hopefully he carries that momentum into this week, and we can see more Saquon Barkley against the Washington Commanders defense that I every time I've watched them, it seems like they've forgotten how to tackle. So um, that could definitely be a chance for uh,
1: New York to get a good running game going. But you know
0: what you, got- you know.
1: I don't. I really don't think the Giants are going to win. But I will say Tyrod Taylor, uh, still having the start might be better for them. You know, he was getting Darren Waller involved. He was getting all the receivers involved. Um, and that was a big thing with Daniel Jones. He he was basically throwing to the same two guys every single play. And you know the defense can figure that out pretty soon. Um, you know it is another uh, division matchup, big rivalry there. So that's gonna be a little fun one. Um, and it's it's in MetLife if if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's going to be another exciting thing as well. You know the Giants do have that home advantage. Um, Giants fans tend to turn out better than Jets fans in MetLife. So hopefully they get they get a good amount of fans there and can push their team in the right direction. Um, hopefully they don't see what the Raiders, uh, sorry, the Saints had last night with their fans booing them from, from two minutes in. So we'll see how it works <laughs> out for them. But uh, I think I think if Tyra Taylor is in, it could be a bit of a closer game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I know this won't happen because of his contract, but I think Tyrod Taylor could, if he continues to play the way he was and Daniel Jones continues to play the way he was, I think he could start over Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones is getting paid too much. Um, yeah. Next game, Lions at Ravens. And if you had told a lot of people before the season started that this was going to be a competitive game, I think they would have laughed at you. But I think this is going to be one of the more competitive games this week. Uh, and I think the Lions have a solid chance to win this game as well. So what do you, what do you think? Do you think...
1: Uh... Honestly, the Ravens have probably been the, the least predictable team uh, this, this uh, season for me. Uh, there's been matches where I thought they were certainly going to lose. They won. And uh, even vice versa... And, you know, you saw them pull out some some big victories. at 28-3 against the Browns, that same defense we were talking about, uh, what, two minutes ago? Um, th- that's something I ought to think about. They put 28 teams against that team, right? I'm sorry, 28 points against that team. That, that's a great performance. Um, you know, let's see if they could pull it through and, and get a win here. Um, but I do think the, the Lions are probably the better team. I think they're also they're going to be a little bit more uh, – I mean, I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase it, but they're, they're a bit more – pushing right they're They're a bit more excited it, it, the way I see it. That locker room looks a lot more excited to get out there every Sunday. Um, the Ravens do have the home field advantage. So we'll see if they can do anything. Keep, keep our friend West a little bit more excited for the game, uh, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. The, the lions are a team that I've always kind of rooted for, you know, the, the lovable losers, but I just love Dan Campbell. I think he's a player's coach. I love the way he coaches. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is another player. I really like, uh, he, the way he gets to the quarterback is phenomenal, and he's definitely going to be tested this week with Lamar Jackson's elusiveness. And so, if Aiden Hutchinson can get to Lamar, and if they can shut down Lamar's run game, if they can get a good contain going on Lamar as well, that pretty much just tears apart the Ravens' offense and forces him to pass. Um, they're running with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill out of the backfield, which both of them are basically starters at this point because J.K. Dobbins gets hurt every year. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, I think J.K. is a phenomenal player when he's on the field. He's just not on the field that often. Um, and the Lions' defense has definitely improved, but I, I think the Lions can win this game, and I want the Lions to win this game. So uh, let's let's go Lions. Let's see what let's see what you got. Uh, next game: Bills Patriots, another divisional matchup. Uh, we so, <laughs> so you said before. That this was like a game where you're like, this is obviously the Bills. They've got this. But the Bills looked horrible against the Giants. Other than Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Everyone else looked terrible. That Bills defense is torn apart. And the Patriots are as bad, if not worse, than the New York Giants. But I don't know if I'm as willing to give the game to the Bills as you are at this point.
1: But sure. what, what, make your argument. Make your case. I think, I think the Giants have been getting better over the course of the year. And I think one thing is you had Tyrod Taylor come in. I don't think they expected Tyrod Taylor. I think perhaps because of Jones' performances, they, they didn't game plan as much to, to stop Darren Waller and Taylor going down uh, to, to different uh, receivers. Uh, you also had Saquon coming back, and I think it's a very different team, uh, especially with Saquon on the field. Um, the Patriots, <laughs> I don't even know. Like what, what What are they? They beat the Jets somehow. Um, I'm convinced it's just because the NFL hates us. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe the jets have sinned too much at some point And this is our retribution. Okay. But the Patriots just are not a good team. Like they're, they're the worst team. In the NFL hands down. Uh, no doubt about that. No question. They're, they're worse than the bears in my opinion. Okay. But there's really, there's really nothing I, I, I have to say here. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a blowout. I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. I mean,
0: I would, I have Stefan Diggs on my fantasy team. So I would love that. Um, I, I, like the Bills, I like Josh Allen, Dawson Knox, all those guys. Um, <laughs> Patriots, have, <laughs> Patriots have been terrible, though. And there's questions about whether Mac Jones should even be the starter. Um, they've got Bailey Zappi. They've got Malik Cunningham, Will Greer. I mean, they, they have all sorts of people they could plug in there at quarterback. But I, it's a division matchup. So, again, those I've said it once and I'll say it again just because of how true it is. This game could go either way. Just because it's a divisional matchup, and yes, the Bills are the better team, but we have seen divisional matchups just like, what the heck happened? And it's just because these coaches are familiar with each other, and they know. Here's
1: what what, They know what what. So I was going to say another thing I will say is uh, the Bills, even with their losses, they haven't really given a crazy amount of points, right? Their their losses have been close uh, losses, and even the game against the Giants where they got pushed against. They only gave the Giants nine points, right? Uh, that defense, I think, is going to eat the Patriots because the Patriots can't make anything work. Um, I think, I mean, the Patriots against in the win against the Jets, it was a low-scoring game. So I think, uh, I think the Bills' defense is going to keep that Patriots' offense from doing anything at all. And my assumption is you're going to see uh, the Bills. You know, they they have digs. They have good running backs. They have uh, they have they have Gabe Davis. They have other good receivers, right? They have a lot, a lot of targets there. If they're getting guys involved, I think they will be more than fine. Um, I, I, do think the giants thing was just a weird fluke and I don't, even, I don't even know where to start with that.
0: Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Another next game is also a divisional game. You've got the Cardinals and the Seahawks who are the Cardinals. I argue are the best one win team in the NFL. Uh, the Seahawks, they are, they're, they're an underrated team as well. Um, Maybe not as underrated as the Cardinals are, in my opinion. But I do think that that defense is underrated. Uh, they've got a lot of really good players. Jamal Adams is back. They've got Devin Witherspoon, who's been a phenomenal rookie. Tariq Wolin. Um, I, I just think that the, people don't give the Seahawks the credit they deserve on defense. But what say you, Stan the Jet fan?
1: I mean, I'll say I definitely agree with the Cardinals being the best one-in-five team right now um i don't think any of the other teams have as many tools they have or uh play as well cohesively as the Cardinals have been playing um i do think it's gonna be a big seahawks game i mean the seahawks are still a team that not only do i think they'll make it uh to the playoffs i think they have a decent chance of making it you know one or two rounds deep right Uh, i think they're a team that surprised me countless times these last two seasons and uh I don't think that's going to change. I think they're going to, they're going to win a big one. Um, and especially now with the 49ers, you know, having some unfortunate injuries and looking a little weak, uh, maybe the Seahawks are going to try to vie in to get that, that top divisional spot. Um, and we'll see how that works out. But uh, I am excited for the game. I think the Seahawks are the better team.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals find a way to win that as well. But uh, Seahawks should win this one, especially with that home field advantage. That stadium's a hard one to play in. Steelers-Rams, this is not a divisional game, not a conference game. Uh, It's kind of a weird matchup, but here we are. Uh, Steelers' offense has been atrocious, and I wish Chess was here, but I know Chess would agree with me that Matt Canada's offense has been terrible. Um, Steelers' defense has had to carry them in every game, and I think this is going to have to be another one where they do it. Steelers, or the Rams have some weapons now. They got Cooper Cup back. They got Puka Nakua. They've, they've got Matt Stafford out there throw, slinging the ball. I mean, you're going to have to put something out there to stop that. And then on defense, they have Aaron Donald, who's just always been phenomenal, and he's going to be coming after Kenny Pickett. And that offensive line is going to have to find some way to stop Aaron Donald, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to. What do you, what do you think?
1: This might just be the, the second biggest blowout of the week. I um, mean, haven't really been able to make it work. Um, and as a unit, you know, for the Steelers, I don't, even though they're, they're still not, you know, that far off in the top of their division, um, it's just not looking bright for them. The Rams also, I think last week, uh, Stafford took a step up. He made way less mistakes and he was making really impressive passes, passes that remind me of that Super Bowl season for him. So, you know, Stafford's looking a little better, right? Uh, the Rams are looking a little better, and on the other hand, the Steelers are looking a little worse. I, I think that those projections are going to continue, and I think the Rams are going to pull out with with a good victory here.
0: Okay, uh, next game, divisional matchup: Chargers at Chiefs. I think this game's a lot closer than what people think it's going to be. Uh, the Chiefs are not that good of a team; they're way overhyped. Maybe with McCole Hardman back there, they get a little something going, but. I do not think the Chiefs are as good of a team as what people think they are. Obviously, I mean, okay, yes, you have Patrick Mahomes. You have Travis Kelsey. But other than that, they don't have – there was this whole thing with Jawan Taylor being a step-up for Orlando Brown in the offseason when Orlando Brown Jr. went to the Bengals. No, he is not. He lined up offsides the entire Lions game. He's been penalized in I think every game uh, for the the regular season. He, except for that Lions game for some reason. Oh no, no, he did get penalized at the end because I guess one of the refs checked Twitter and saw everyone pointing out that he was lined up offsides. But I think I mean this is another game. The Chargers' offense has got to get something going with the rushing game. You've got Austin Eckler back now. The excuses are gone. You've got to put in the work. I think this is a winnable game for the Chargers, and it could be a momentum shift for them.
1: I agree. I mean, uh, the Chargers could win here, but the big factor (laughs) for me is, you know, one of the other, one of the toughest games to play, and we talked about that with the Seahawks, they're playing an Arrowhead. Arrowhead's not an easy fandom to deal with, and they're, you know, they're a fandom that's been given a lot the last couple of years, so they're an excited, uh, excited uh, fan base. So I think they're going to make it much tougher for the Chargers. Um, Herbert, uh, I don't know. It just, it's, it's a bit of inconsistency with him, um, and, and with that offense overall. And I think that's that's the tough thing because when you're when you're not consistent, when you're not bringing bringing, even if you're not winning, if you're not bringing out the the same player week in week out, when you deal with the amount of pressure that they're going to deal with. From the Chiefs, I think that's gonna hurt them. The Chiefs also do have a good defense, right? Uh their their pass rush is is uh, is a good pass rush, and they're gonna they're gonna push Herbert down. Herbert's gonna be running a little bit, and I think that's not gonna end out too well for him. Um, I could see this being uh going either way, and I'll say, like, out of all the uh games we talked about, this is probably one of the other like 50-50 ones. But I'm gonna go with the Chiefs for now. I think that Taylor Swift. Uh, signing is going to make a big difference. Too. Yeah,
0: the Taylor, the Taylor Swift signing was a big one for the Chiefs this year. Arguably their best move in the last decade. Um, sorry, Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure you quite beat Taylor Swift. But next game, uh, kind of, I guess this isn't so much of a revenge game anymore because Nathaniel Hackett's no longer there. But Packers versus Broncos. Um, neither of these offenses are good. This is gonna. I think this is going to be a struggle to put up points because the Broncos' offense is atrocious. The Packers' offense just looks confused if Aaron Jones isn't on the field, and I'm not sure if he's playing this week or not. But when Aaron Jones isn't on the field, it seems like Matt LaFleur doesn't know what to do. So I the, this game could go either way, but for all the wrong reasons, in my opinion.
1: I mean, here's what I'll say. I mean, the Broncos, um, they used to have – they had basically the best defense in the league last year. They don't really have that anymore. Uh, I can see the Packers stringing together enough drives to score here. I'm actually going to go with the Packers, here. I'm a little more confident um, with the Packers, and I, I think the Broncos are such a mess of a team, mess of a franchise right now. Um, and it looks like they're—I mean—they've they've been trading away their their biggest stars, hoping to get some—you know—more some moves in this off season. I, I don't think they're really. The, the prime Broncos we saw and the prime Broncos we saw were not a great Broncos either, but it's going to be a rough one.
0: Yeah. Jordan love is just so inconsistent. Like those first two weeks, everyone was like, Oh, see, he's another hall of famer. But since then he's, he hasn't really wowed me. His decision-making has been questionable for me. Maybe, maybe he does do enough. And if Aaron, if Aaron Jones plays, I think that they do have a better offense, but I think right now he's still questionable Seems like they're confused when he's not on the field. I, I think they'd have to rely more on that run game to win. Um, Dolphins-Eagles, though. Th- this is probably the best matchup of the week. because You have a very good Dolphins offense going against a beat-up but still pretty strong Eagles defense. So uh, Tyreek Hill's obviously going to look to continue to get – Closer to that 2,000 yards he's going for, he's pretty close to 1,000 already. He's only like 100 and some yards away from 1,000 yards, and we're going into week seven here. So that's insane to think about. Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert, they have a ton of weapons on that offense. Um, Eagles, big thing to watch for them is Lane Johnson. If he's hurt again, Jalen Hurts is going to be running all over the place because that is a huge brick in their wall of that offensive line and they have one of the they have the best offensive line in the NFL so if Lane Johnson is out I'm sure Mike McDaniels is going to be having uh Vic Fangio bring the house on a lot of plays so I'm going to take the Dolphins here just because I think that their offense is electric I think they're dynamic very fast and quick like Miami is and uh, that Eagles defense is pretty beat up. What do you think about this game, though?
1: There's a uh, one player you forgot to mention. That's Josh Job, cornerback for the Eagles. Um, did you know? Who, do you do you know about Job? No, nope, tell me about him. Tell me. So it's it's a running joke uh, with my friends who watch football. Now, every time the Eagles play, uh, we scream Joby because Job sucks. He's the <laughs> cause of every bad play um, that defense has gone through. Uh, honestly, I think if if you could point to one player who let uh, the Jets beat the Eagles it's him he gave I think two big penalties um, he gave many big open covered spots he makes mistakes here and there uh, and, and that that Eagles that secondary is their worst part of their defense by far uh, no, the other two parts the linebackers uh, their D-line are a lot more consistent but that that cornerback room um, that secondary is not a great secondary and and Josh Job or Joby as we call him he sucks. Okay, he's bad. And if you look at the Dolphins, look at where they're where they're best in the air game. They're going to attack Josh Job. No, no doubt the the Dolphins. You know, you're looking at McDaniel. McDaniel definitely sees B in the back, and he's saying we're going to throw to that guy 20 times. He's basically going to be in our team, right? Uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of deep, deep runs. A lot of Jalen Waddle and uh, deep back Tyreek Hill. You know, another he's great in the wideout position. So we can see a lot of Tyreek Hill passes. Um, if you have Tyreek Hill in fantasy. Get ready for a big week. Joby is going to give you everything you want.
0: I'm going to add him to the list of people that will never be on the show now, just because that <laughs> <laughs> there's, there is a list of people who I'm like, if they ever pre went back and listened to what we said about them before we interviewed them, they might not come on anymore, but uh, I might have to add him to that list. Um, but yeah, Tyreek Hill, if, He gets this Josh Job matchup you're talking about. Yeah, he's probably going to have a great game. I'm sure that's a mismatch, but that's true of most cornerbacks against Tyreek Hill in the
1: NFL. Uh, I I will add a little bit of nuance. Um, I will say, Job, you know, he, I think his mistakes are mainly because he's, he needs more experience. He needs more, uh, Uh, he doesn't have the best understanding of the field. Uh, And that's where the penalties come from. Um, And that's even where in coverage, when he blows coverage, it's because he's reading the wrong guy. He's not making the right call. So, uh, I mean, we'll see if he could do that. But I've I've seen the Eagles. They've been in primetime a lot. I've watched quite a few Eagles games. And and he's been the cause for basically every bad defensive breakdown that the Eagles have given.
0: Good recovery. (laughs) Monday Night Football now. 49ers, Vikings. I, this game, I, I want to see, does Christian McCaffrey play? That's huge, which I learned from Adam Schefter that it is a one-year anniversary of Christian McCaffrey joining the 49ers. Does Debo Samuel play? And how healthy is Trent Williams? Those are the three big things. Trent Williams played through his injury, so I think he's probably going to be okay Debo, though, that's a huge part of their offense. Christian McCaffrey is a major part of their offense. So if those guys aren't out there, it's going to be a problem. Even so, though, the Vikings are lo- have lost their best player, and that's Justin Jefferson. He's out for this game because he's still on IR. Uh, I, I think Kyle Shanahan finds a way to win this game, even if Debo and Christian McCaffrey aren't out. But I don't think we'll see the same 49ers offense that's dynamic and power punching like we usually do. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to see here? What do you expect?
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think the 49ers are probably going to pull through, but here's my, here's my Vikings advocate. Um, you know, you'll, you look at that team. You look at Kirk cousins. I mean, the first three weeks of the season he looked like the best quarterback in the league right you have you have the pieces there and I, I think with the Vikings if their defense could do something which they really haven't been doing a whole lot of uh, if they could do something they'll be fine i think I think their defense especially against a battered 49ers team even if you have uh, you know Samuel back even if you have McCaffrey back they're gonna be right you know coming off an injury they're probably not going to be the best version of McCaffrey and debo we've seen um, and I, I wouldn't even be surprised if the 49ers made a decision to let those guys rest a little bit longer because they're, they're not as expecting, uh, you know, of the big Vikings game. But the Vikings have the pieces. They have, uh, they, they, they have the team to win. They just haven't been able to draw, you know, string it all together. And I think this game will allow them to do that because the 49ers, a, a battered offense, uh, and, the, and in regards to the 49ers defense, the Vikings have the pieces to beat them.
0: Yeah, I mean, Harrison Smith is the safety for the Vikings, and I think he has a Hall of Fame contention argument. And I'd like to see another big game from him, especially if Debo's not out there, maybe figure out uh, how to confuse him. Heck, maybe just safety blitz Brock Purdy and confuse him. They did that a lot against the Panthers, and it worked. I think he had six sacks or something ridiculous as a safety. Um I do, I do agree, though. I think the Vikings are a better team than what people think they are. They're another one of those teams that their record doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. And a lot of their losses have just been because of fumbles. And they need to make sure they aren't fumbling as much. They have one of the worst turnover rates in the NFL because of fumbles. And it's not one player. It's the whole team. So um, w- try to figure that out. Don't fumble and then it might be a closer game than what we expect in Monday Night Football on ESPN. Subtle plug. <laughs> uh, if you don't have anything else to say, though, I will go ahead and go into the spiel. So. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for listening to today's show. It was a little long, but if you enjoyed, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube at Show. Our social media pages are no butts underscore show on Instagram and no show on TikTok. My Twitter is Josh underscore Butts underscore 2001. And if you would like to reach us, you can email us at BullMoosePodcast2. That's the number two at gmail.com. Finally, our spread shop will be in the description, so make sure to check out the merch. Once again, if you enjoyed today's show, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, go do something nice for someone.